listening to Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Chris Candy's been on the road. He, I turn on my radio. He's on early in the morning at 5. He's on at 8. Yesterday, uh, Bob Wischusen was writing a, a, a tweet about he's on with the hardest working man in radio and Chris Candy. Everywhere I turn, I hear Chris Candy. So I thank him for a couple of minutes to uh, spend on this Sunday uh, to join me here on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, partner, how you doing? I'm doing good, OG. L, 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 how hardest I'm just trying to take a page out of your book where you say the hardest working man in uh, sports media because nobody has the hustle like you do, my brother. Well, I appreciate that, Chris. And listen, I, I enjoy listening to you. As I told uh, fans a long time ago, I didn't cover the Giants while you were there, but you guys made that world that Super Bowl championship run, so I parachuted in. You know how and you know how that is, Chris. You see different faces in the media come in as you go further up and down the playoffs. <laughs> and you're like, mm-hmm. who are these guys? Like mm-hmm. these people that we see every day that we know and we trust, and we see these other people. Like who are these people coming in here? What are they trying to do? What, what's going on with them? And what impressed mm-hmm. me about you was your ability when I chatted with you on a couple of occasions, your ability to break down opponents and how you saw the game. And so one of the reasons, aside from talking about free agency that I want to have you on, was just for your skill set to break down these young quarterbacks that are coming out, the, the Justin Fields, the, 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 the Zach Taylors, you know, these guys who are uh, coming out and what you see from them from a defensive lineman standpoint? Well, I think it's important to recognize that outside of Trevor Lawrence, who's the presumptive number one overall pick, uh, these other quarterbacks that we're talking about going in the top half of the first round, they aren't finished products. Uh, There are all things that those guys need to work on to improve in order to be productive players at the pro level. And there's a huge learning curve when it comes to quarterback play from college to the NFL. I mean, with a lot of these college offenses, the quarterbacks aren't calling the plays in the huddle. They aren't setting the protections. All of that stuff is happening with cards from the sidelines and the offensive line basically determining what the protections are going to be. So a lot of this stuff is going to be new for them. So just from an operational standpoint, there's a huge amount of growth that has to take place. And then knowing the realities of the world we're living in with the pandemic, with COVID, limiting what teams can do in terms of contact with the players in the offseason. I mean, it really, it really puts the quarterbacks up against it when it comes to trying to get a guy assimilated into life in the NFL and get them ready to be on the field this fall. So, again, fans of teams that are going to be looking at these quarterbacks have to make sure that they're, they temper their expectations when it comes to – you know, when they're going to see these guys potentially, if their team is going to draft them, when they're actually going to see these guys play for them. When you look, does it matter, Chris? Usually, I know you, we're making the broad assumption here, but does it matter what uh, the schedule a Zach Wilson played against the schedule a Justin Fields has to play? Does that make it a little easier adjustment at the next level? Oh, yeah. Well, competition matters, Larry. I mean, if you play against better competition, I mean, the thought is that you'll be more prepared for the pro game because the NFL is the best of the best. In college, you're not seeing that every single Saturday out there. You're not. I mean, a lot of these guys are going to be doing something else when they finish their last college football game. They're not going to be continuing their football careers in the pros. And so um, when you're evaluating these prospects, that's a part of the equation. I mean, when you look at the competition that you see in the SEC every single year, you know, a lot of those guys that are playing on Saturdays in that conference end up playing on Sundays in the NFL. So 
I think it gives you a good barometer in terms of being able to gauge the talent level and what the player is capable of. But uh, that's not to say that you can't find talent in other conferences, in other places. And when you look at BYU's Zach Wilson or you look at North Dakota State's Trey Lance, both of those guys played at, um, you know, uh, schools that, that, you know, we're not too familiar with on the East Coast and we're not watching those games all the time. But those guys are certainly capable players and talent evaluators, you know, in NFL circles, they aren't projecting these guys in the top half of the first round for no reason. So I just think that when you start trying to determine, you know, which guys are the better fits or which guys are the most pro-ready, um, it, 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 you know, it's tough when you don't, uh, you know, when you don't have those guys playing up against the top competition. But that's not to say that those guys aren't capable of being really good pro players. I got what you're saying. That's the voice of Chris Canty. You know him. He's on every day, 5 to 8, with uh, his colleagues, uh, Rick DiPietro and Dave Rothenberg, here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Larry Hardesty. All right, Chris, when you found out that Kenny Galladay came to the Giants, how shocked were you? Uh, I really wasn't that shocked, Larry. I really wasn't. I mean, a couple of weeks ago when the Lions let it be known that they weren't going to franchise tag Kenny Galladay, I said, that's great news for Giants fans. And I would expect that at some point this coming week or this past week, excuse me, that Kenny Galladay would be making a visit to the tri-state area. And so when I heard that Galladay um, had an offer on the table from the Bengals and was visiting the Bears, I got a little bit nervous. But the fact that he was going to take a visit to the Giants, it, it put me at ease a little bit just because I know how the Giants operate in free agency. And when you're in that building and when they're making their pitch, you know, it's it's hard to turn it down. And so I just felt like from a need perspective, Kenny Galladay um, checks a lot of boxes for the Giants, getting a number one receiver for Daniel Jones, who's going into a huge season, year number three for him. I, I think you're trying to give him as much support as you possibly can so that Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge can make the determination of whether or not Daniel Jones is going to be their franchise quarterback moving forward. Kenny Galladay goes a long ways to helping them answer that question. How big is he going to be in the red zone for them, Chris, where they really struggled last year? Well, I mean, he's 6'4", 215. He's got a huge catch radius, extremely athletic. Um, So I just think that in terms of being a big body receiver that's outside of the numbers, I mean, in the red zone or even out in the field, he has big play potential. And that's, that's something that this Giants offense needs, Larry. I mean, we, we've talked about Evan Ingram and, you know, the potential that he has, the athleticism that he has, but he hasn't quite lived up to the expectations that the Giants had when they drafted him in the first round four years back. Um, but, you know, this offense doesn't have a lot of big play potential. I want to say they were 31st in the National Football League in total yards. So, I mean, they needed some more weapons to make this thing more explosive. Last couple of off-seasons, Dave Gettleman had focused on the offensive line and making sure – they're getting that back right, and you saw in the second half of this, season, this past season that offensive line had made some strides. Now it's about making sure that Daniel Jones has the weapons that he needs to make this offense go. And I think Kenny Galladay, the addition of him, and then getting Saquon Barkley back, and then signing Kyle Rudolph, which I thought was a sneaky good move by Dave Gettleman, that's only going to you know help Daniel Jones in terms of his development and overall being able to make this offense more productive. All right, Chris, you played the position. What changed with uh, Leonard Williams? I saw him with the Jets. You saw him with the Jets. This wasn't the same Leonard Williams. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say this, Larry. Leonard Williams has always been around the quarterback. It's just that he hasn't had 
the sack numbers um, that a lot of people would expect a guy that's taken with the sixth overall pick to have. And somebody that was franchise tagged at $16 million a couple of years ago and then this past year, um, I mean, this, this, uh, this um, uh, earlier this year, the Giants decided they were going to put that $19 million franchise tag number on him. And so he didn't necessarily have the sack numbers two years ago, but this past year, the thing that I'm noticing is just his ability to be able to move around the defensive front. Patrick Graham does a really good job of moving them around, whether it's putting them over guards and centers or putting them outside on the edge. I, I think their ability to be able to move them around and not allow offensive lines to key in on them, that's what's led to him having an opportunity to have a jump in sack numbers because he's going to get favorable matchups. And so it's not like Leonard Williams didn't have the ability, but I just think now he's being put in position um, that he's comfortable with. And, and Patrick Graham has been able to deploy him in a way where he can exploit those matchups and, and really do damage in opposing backfields. Chris, what, what, what should the Giants focus on in the draft coming up? I think they've got to find an edge rusher. Right? I mean, Leonard Williams was a huge part of their offseason plan, making sure they have him, but they got to find a way to get somebody that can consistently turn up the heat on the outside. Um, I, you know, the, the Giants have got to find a way to be able to pressure the quarterback with four rushers, and I'm just talking about the down guys. I know Patrick Graham does a great job with simulated pressures, so rushing four, but bringing guys from the, from the second and third levels as a part of that four-man rush. What they've got to be able to do is to line up with four down linemen and rush the passer. And they just don't have enough right now. And so I would expect with them being able to sign Kenny Galladay in the early part of free agency and address that number one receiver position, them to turn a lot of attention to being able to find an edge rusher in the NFL draft. A couple of names to keep an eye on. Um, Greg Rousseau, the edge rusher out of Miami. Freakish athlete. I mean, he's a really big guy, you know, 6'5", 250, 260 pounds. I mean, can run like a deer. Keep an eye on him. Quiddy Pay from Michigan, that's another guy that Giants fans should keep an eye on. But I would look for them to address the edge rusher position. Chris, did the switching to the Jets, did they get their uh, pass rusher in Carl Lawson? I really like him. I, I really like him. And he's not somebody that's a huge name. But, again, he's somebody that's around the quarterback an awful lot. He's a true 4-3 defensive end. I mean, he's not an outside linebacker type. This guy is going to put his hands in the dirt and go after the quarterback. I mean, he finished in the top five in pressures last year, um, even though he only had five and a half sacks. So, I mean, this is a guy that can really hunt the quarterback. Um, so, I think that the, the Jets, they got it right with this one. And overall, I think what they've done in free agency, they've addressed a lot of needs, not necessarily paying top-of-the-market prices for the moves that they made, but really solid football players. I really like what Joe Douglas has done this offseason so far. All right, Chris Canty, I'm, I'm going to make you uh, an advisor to Joe Douglas. What do you do at number two? Are you getting rid of Darnold or are you taking the quarterback? <laughs> We've kicked this question around for so many months now. I mean, I, I, I'm of the opinion that they've got to go in the direction of a quarterback, Larry. I, I, I am, and it's you know, I, I hate to say that because Sam Donald hasn't gotten a fair shake with, with, the, with the Jets. I mean, they, they fired his head coach after his rookie season. They fired the general manager that drafted him going into his second year. They, they brought in Adam Gase to kind of be this quarterback whisperer, and that was an unmitigated disaster. I just feel like they have to reset as a franchise in terms of their program building, and a big part of that is resetting what they're doing at the quarterback position. Also, keeping in mind, it makes sense to reset the money at the position. 
the Jets, if they were to hang on to Sam Donald this offseason, would have to make a decision on his fifth-year option in May, which would represent $25 million in guaranteed salary in 2022. For a player that you have a lot of question marks about, I don't necessarily know that you want to go down that road with Sam. So I just feel like this is the offseason to address the quarterback position. If you don't do it right now, if you're Joe Douglas and Rob Sala, you might not have the pathways to being able to do it if Sam proves not to be your guy in 2021. All right. I agree with you. But who do you take? Who do you draft at QB? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really splitting hairs. It, <laughs> it really is. I know that uh, a lot of people are saying Zach Wilson is the guy. Uh, I, I, I like Trey Lance, and I like Justin Fields. Um, and, and so I think they all um, bring some – some really great traits to the table, some dominant traits. Um, but what it's going to come down to is what Rob Sala and their new offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, what they're comfortable with, the quarterback whose skill set fits what their offense wants to do. I know Zach Wilson, the hell of a playmaker. People are talking about him and, and his playmaking potentially being on the level of Aaron Rodgers when he develops. Uh, I like what Trey Lance brings to the table from – um, the, the physical stature and his ability to be able to extend plays, get outside of the pocket. Also, something about Trey Lance, he's probably, you know, the, the, the furthest along when it comes to being able to run the operation at the pro level because of what they asked him to do at North Dakota State. Um, Justin Fields is a freaky athlete as well. So, I mean, there's, there, again, there are a lot of great things to like about all three of those quarterbacks that are being projected, um, you know, after – Trevor Lawrence in the top 10. I just, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to make a judgment. I think it's ultimately going to come down to, you know, what Joe Douglas, Rob Sala, and Mike LaFleur feel like is a fit for what they want to do. Man, that's the type of analysis you get every morning. And not just on football. I didn't even ask. I didn't even ask. I didn't want to depress him and ask him about the Lakers and LeBron going down. Don't, I didn't even want to do no, that. Don't, don't, don't do that. No, I just want to stay away from basketball in general right now, Larry, because my boy took it on the chin last night against the Ohio Bobcats. I just I couldn't believe what happened. Uh, another first game exit from the NCAA tournament. It's just one of those things that's, that's really, really ugly. Really, really ugly for my Wahoos. (laughs) I know. I understand. Believe me, I understand. Been a Knicks fan for 100 years, Chris, so you know I understand. I know well, I'm staying away from that. You, 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 you had, you've had it a lot worse than I have. At least we got a national championship the last couple of years. That's right. And, and, and you got more, and you, and you got a, a, a room full of trophies as a Laker fan. There you go. There you go. And I, I suspect that we're going to have an opportunity to add to that over the next couple of years, too. I think Just so. Saying. I think so. I think so. I'm looking forward to this year. I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to a possible Brooklyn-LA matchup with the Lakers. I'm looking forward to that, Chris. How much How much fun would that be, Larry? How much fun fabulous. would that be? Oh, that would be great. LeBron, LeBron James against KD, Kyrie, and James Harden? Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, I'd love it. I, t- I tell you what, if he pulls that off, if he beats the Brooklyn Nets with all three of those guys completely healthy, that puts him a little bit closer to Michael Jordan in my book. I'm just saying. It does. That's no, a conversation for another day, but I'm just saying. There's no question. There's no question. No question about it. Chris, thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. We'll hear you tomorrow morning at 5. All right. Thanks for having me on, Larry. You are listening to Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> 